Hi, you're listening to the podcast of Victory Santa Rosa. We pray that this message encourages you on your journey of faith in Jesus. We're in the middle of a series called Designed for Relationships. And uh, we said that we're made in the image of God. And since God himself is a relationship, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we too were designed for relationships. And last week, if you were here, we talked about the Trinity and the way that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit relate with each other. And as such, tayo rin po, we follow Jesus, but in the course of following Jesus, we also experience the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So with that, may I invite everyone to stand as we read the Word. <coughs> as we read from the Word, ngayong pong umaga. I hope you're excited. You know, as we go deep today, uh, okay, as we go through this series on relational discipleship, for the next three weeks, we're now going to talk about follow, fellowship, and fish. And today specifically, we're going to talk about following Jesus and you're going to read from John chapter 6, beginning from verse 53. Uh, verse 53. This is a bit of a long passage, but let's enjoy it together as we uh, read and listen to the word. Let me begin. John 6 verse 53. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. And this is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But, but Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? <laughs> you have the words of eternal life and we have believed. And have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Lord, um, may we come to the same conclusion. Even though sometimes what you say does not make immediate sense to us. And sometimes what you say even offends us. I pray that we may come to the realization that only you, only you have the words of eternal life. And that we would come to understand to whom else Shall we go? Holy Spirit, thank you that these words that you speak to us are spirit and life. 
Father, thank you that you're the one drawing us all together to you. Would you bless us, your people, today? In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and take your seats. Again, good morning to everyone. And I want to jump right in. This particular passage, you know, if you would break it down to like a few landmarks, you'd be able to see this particular flow. The first part is when Jesus says all those weird things about us eating his flesh, drinking his blood. And I, I realized, man, I mean, if you're coming from our culture today, that's twilight. Okay, so, whoa! Or that's cannibalism. I mean, Lord Jesus, that really does not make sense at all. Which is why the people began to mutter. This is hard teaching. This is a difficult teaching. I mean, who can listen to it? And they were offended at what Jesus, uh, at what Jesus said. Such that finally they made this decision. They turned away. So many of the disciples, disciples, meaning Jesus had many disciples already at this time. He's been ministering for, for like almost two years now. And many people were following him. And not just the twelve. And many of these disciples began to turn back. So that's like the flow of the story. Now as we, as, we, uh, as we take note of those things, a few questions come to mind. And I'd like to be able to throw some of those questions to you now. And uh, it's good, it would be good for you to think about these questions. And I, as I say this, I don't want you to think about another person. I'm going to ask you to think about these questions in light of how you follow Jesus. So you see, we're designed for relationships. We follow Jesus. It's a relationship that we have with Him. Meaning, the stronger the way you follow Jesus means, it, it means that you're growing in your relationship with Him. You will follow Jesus in a stronger way when you come to Jesus, when you come to know Jesus even better. When you come to a greater understanding of who He is. And this is a moment, one of those moments, that Jesus reveals and explains that He is the bread of life. And then He says, yeah, you're going to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And then that is an opportunity to come to know Jesus more or to actually turn away from Him. So question, first question, will you continue to follow Jesus despite the hard and offensive teaching? Have you encountered those in the Bible? Or is it only me that when sometimes I read a few things and then I don't even want to read them again? Because I want to steer away from those. I mean, when Jesus says, you must hate your father and mother in order for you to be, to be able to follow me, you must carry your cross. You must deny yourself, take up your cross, and then you follow me. When Jesus says, you put your hand on the plow, you do not look back. Lord, these are hard teachings. I mean, who can take them? But that is the challenge that's being given us. In fact, at this point, at this point, you are being forced to rethink why you follow Jesus to begin with. What if Jesus says and asks you to do something really hard and difficult? Will you continue to follow Him? What if what God allows in your life offends you? Will you still continue to follow Him? Another question. Will you continue to follow despite everyone else falling away? I mean, you, you were reached out as a student and you were with your barcada, you were with your tropa, you came here. And then it's only you now. <laughs> no one else is following Jesus the way you are. Will you still continue to follow Jesus? You used to come as a family. But then some of your family members no longer come. So would you, would you, would you go, go to God and say, Lord, wag na rin, tinamad na rin ako. I'm, I'm also going to be lazy. I'm also, I'm also not going to 
they count the cost of following you because my family members no longer follow you. What if everyone else falls away? What if you're the only witness, the only light, the only person in the office that's a believer in Jesus? What if your classmates all of a sudden turn against you? Will you still continue to follow Jesus? In fact, I want to bring it back to this question, this basic question. So why do you persist in following Jesus anyway? Because these things happened in the story. The people began to fall away. And Peter had his reason why he persisted in following Jesus. But that's Peter's reason. What's your reason? Why are you following Jesus anyway? What of all the different challenges that you faced in life? Why do you persist in still going to church? Come on. Forsake your faith na. And that was, that was Job's wife's challenge to him. I mean, Job, you know, you, you've been following God so faithfully and now in a day you lost your children, you lost all your flock, you lost all your goats, you lost all of your herds, you lost everything. Curse God and die. That was what the wife was telling Job. I mean, with everything that's happened in your life, why do you persist? I mean, come on, just leave the faith. Let go of Christianity. It's, it's, a, it's, a, fut it's a futility. Why do you persist in following Jesus. Now, as I say that, I know that should not be said in church, right? I mean, the pastor exhorting you or challenging you to already leave and to, to forsake your faith. The reason why I'm asking that is because how far, how far are you able to accept the challenges of life and the challenges to your faith before you go away? I'd like for you now to go back to that day when you began to follow Jesus. Think about it now. Remember. Remember. What, where, where was that? Who was talking to you? Who was sharing the gospel with you? Or how did you hear the gospel at that time? Where were you? In you? Were you in the living room? Were you in the office? Were you at work? Were you in school? How did that place smell during that time? I mean, I, I'm going to ask you to go back in time and just go to that moment. And then let me ask you this question. Why did you decide then to follow Jesus? Because the degree of your understanding when you follow Jesus then will be tested. It will be the reason why you would persist. How deep was that? How much did you pay or did you count the cost of following Jesus? How much did you pay the price at that season? Because that will determine if you will last or if you will persist in your faith. In fact, that's also the reason why sometimes getting persecuted is okay. Because it causes you to come to terms why you're even following Jesus and how far, how much of a cost are you willing to pay. I came to know Christ June 17 of 1991. That was a Monday. Monday around 32, almost 32 years ago. It was my brother, my older brother, who was sharing the gospel with me. It was, we were studying, I was studying, it was around 10 p.m. that night. I was staying up to study. I was in fourth year high school then. And my brother began to share the gospel with me using a small booklet. There was no one-to-one -one at that time. It, the booklet is called, Are You Going? How many of you have seen that in PCBS in the olden days? All right. He was sharing that with me. And he began, it was my first time to even open the Bible. It was my first time to see the big letter, chapter, and the small letter, verse. I didn't even know, I, I, I didn't know, even know how to go to the book of John. I had to go to the table of contents and find the page. So my brother shared the gospel with me then, and then I responded. The reason why I responded is because I came to understand I could not save myself. 
I was a religious guy. I was trying to follow the, the Ten Commandments. I was basically a good guy. But then I came to understand I could not save myself. None of my good works could stack up against my sin. And because of that, I surrendered my life to Jesus that night. My parents were not in agreement. We were the only believers in our family at that time. Kami pong magkapatid, my, my older brother and I. And because of that, because of that, we, we, experienced, uh, we experienced some resistance to the point that I, they had to make me choose if I'd still go to victory or I'd continue in my studies. Of course, I chose victory. And they said, I'm going to cut you off. You're no longer going to study. No more allowances and so on. I counted that cost. Buti lang hindi yun natuloy. Because that same day, my lola, my grandmother, talked to me and said, John, I mean, you understand where your dad's coming from. Just humble yourself. Because this is not about that. Of course, your, your father wants to be able to support you through college. And so I did go back to my father that, that same day and, and I, I asked for forgiveness for, you know, I just told him, Tai, alam nyo namang hindi ako suwail na anak. You know, I'm not a rebellious kid. That they really have to follow Jesus already in this way. But I promise you this, I will study hard. And I really make sure, I wanted to honor my father. You know, I, do you know how it is to disobey honorably? I was disobeying for the sake of my faith, but I was trying to honor my parents still in the process. And yes, my father continued to give me allowance for my studies. And uh, he did understand and he just told me, Oh, John, I, I, I know, you, you won't be, you, when you're in school, you just do school. You don't do stuff, stuff with victory, victory. So I just, I didn't go. So because of that, I no longer went to the midweek service. And because of that, I, but I still was able to go to small groups on campus. And then we would still go to, uh, to the service on Sunday, but we had no allowance. So my brother and I would walk around five, six kilometers uh, just to be able to go to church. But that was important that time. It was that season because I was, I, I was faced with resistance and I had to make a decision. Will I make my stand on this? Will I continue to follow Jesus or, or it's just not worth it? Then I realized this. I, I bring back the question to you. What was the cost that you counted when you began to follow Jesus? Because the degree of the cost that you counted then will also determine how much you will persist as life brings its challenges, as your faith gets tested, and as people oppose your faith. Now, don't worry. Just to conclude that part of the story, our parents eventually did understand. And my father, although this was around seven years later, my father told me, John, I was opposed to you going to victory because, uh, because I thought that would really distract you from your studies. But as it turns out, my brother and I, we were the ones who were not delayed in school. We were the ones who graduated, uh, who graduated well. Because we were also inspired to honor our parents and to honor God with our studies. The point being, you know, eventually my parents did understand, told me, yeah, but that was then. Now I understand uh, why you did, why you had to do what you did, you know, because of, you were standing up for your faith. And there's redemption in, in these things. But the point is, why do you persist in following Jesus? And how far, ito, anong presyo mo? What's your price? Such that when the enemy and the world gives you your price, you will stop following Jesus. What's your price? Is it a boyfriend that's really cute, but not necessarily a believer and might cause you to 
you know, to have, to, to, uh, to, to in a sense, be lukewarm in your faith? Is it a $2 million bribe? Is it persecution and difficulty? Is it the loss of a loved one? What, what is your price? Because all of us have a price. It says that when the world gives you that price, you'll stop following Jesus. For the people there, their price was difficult teaching. I could no longer understand it, so I'll just turn away along from Jesus. Now I know, as I say that about the price, I don't mean to be too hard on us, no? But you have got to decide for yourself that there will be no price. There's no longer any price. You know why? I have been bought with a price. By the blood of the Lamb, I no longer belong to myself. So there is no price. Nothing that this world could ever give could cause me to turn away from my faith. Not even difficulty, not even my own disillusionment in my situations, not any particular temptation. There's no price anymore. There is such that I will not, I have resolved that I will not let go of my faith in Jesus and I'll persist in following Him because He already bought me with a price by the blood of the Lamb, says that I am no longer my own. I belong to Christ. So, why do you persist in following Jesus anyway? This passage, you'll see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit mentioned in this passage. So what we'll do now, we'll pick out some of those portions that hopefully will help you, will help you and me get really solid in why we follow Jesus anyway. The first one, because of the life that the Spirit gives because of the life that the spirit gives remember this we used to pursue the world and whatever it is that the world offers in order to give us the life that we seek but we've come to understand that the life that the world offers is counterfeit counterfeit it's fleeting it stays only for a while it's very temporary i you know i i would like to get life from the bottle so i put out a shot glass and then measure out a drink and then I try to bring it down so that the life that comes from the bottle, the peace that comes from the bottle would get to me. And then I experience peace for a while. In fact, I get to have a good sleep, but then wake up with a huge headache the following morning. And still, my situation remains. The bottle provided temporary life and peace, but the following morning, in fact, my situation has not changed at all. It might even have worsened because I'm trying to look for life elsewhere. We know that this world cannot give you the life that you seek. We know that this world can actually offer a counterfeit type of life, but not the real kind of life that only the Spirit gives. And the Spirit gives life. The Spirit has allowed you to experience the life that comes from God. The, the peace that transcends all understanding. The joy that is not snuffed out by circumstances. You're able to rejoice even in the most difficult. The, 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 sorry, the, the assert, uh, certainty of the future that, that, that only God could give. The hope, the unsnuffable hope that you still have even though things are really bleak. That's the kind of life that the Spirit gives. And we go back to the passage. It says there, Jesus is talking about life when people eat His flesh and drink His blood. He says, you know, this is what happens to you. You'll have eternal life. You'll abide in me. And abiding in Jesus being the author of life, meaning you're right beside Him. You dwell with Him. And when you dwell with Jesus, it means that, hey, you're going to experience life through and through. And then not just eternal life, not just abiding, but you will live because of Him. And finally, it says, for it is the Spirit who gives life. And you know how the Spirit gives you life? The words. 
the words of Jesus, the words of Scripture that come to you and give you life. Your life comes from the words that the Spirit speaks or that the Son speaks because the words that you've heard are spirit and life. Say, for example, you're a dad. You're looking at your family, at the uncertainty of the situation for your family. And you're saying, Lord, my future, is there a future for my children? Lord, is there a, you know, I, I'm, I'm, this is my situation and the, the challenges that I face. Now, if you're in such a place, let me talk to you now. If you're such a father, let me talk to you now. Psalm 112. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house. His righteousness endures forever. You will have no fear of bad news. For your heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. I mean, whoa, those are just a few verses. But did you feel life coming to you? Just because of hearing the word like that? And you realize, Lord, you're right. The Spirit gives life. The words that are in Scripture, the words that Jesus has spoken, the words that are spoken to you coming from Scripture, they are filled with life. You see, the Word of God is like a double-edged sword, sharper than any double-edged sword. It's living and active. It's alive. It brings you life when it's spoken to you. When you pray it, when you sing songs of worship to God with it, when you declare it to yourself, when you declare it on your situation, life comes to you. That comes from the Spirit. The Spirit of God gives life, which is why I follow Jesus. Which is why I follow Jesus. I follow what He says because His words are spirit and they are life. I follow Jesus because of the life that the Spirit gives. But not only that, because I'm drawn by the Father. I'm drawn by the Father. The Father draws me. The Father draws you with His everlasting love. Everlasting love means it's a love that did not have a beginning and will not have an end. That's the love of the Father for you. I've drawn you, Jeremiah, Jeremiah says, I've drawn you with an everlasting love. And you remember, when Jesus is lifted up from the earth, He will draw all men to Himself. That's the Father drawing you. That's the Father drawing you with His love. So yeah, I follow Jesus because the Father draws me. In verse 60, and He said, This is why I told you that no one can come to Me. You see, no one can come to Jesus on their own accord. Why? Because our hearts are in the first place rebellious. Our hearts really do not see God. I know, I know. You're religious. Before you became a believer, you were religious. You were trying to grow in your religiosity. You were really trying to follow God. You see, but even that is a drawing by the Father. The Father sovereignly, by His love, is drawing you to Him. And eventually, you did encounter the truth. Because it was granted to you by the Father. It was granted to you by the Father. The Father has drawn you. So when you think about your life now, as you follow Jesus, you're right. The Spirit gives me life. And the Father's drawn me. This is the good old-fashioned message of Lordship. Of following Jesus. Of denying yourself, taking up your cross and following Jesus no matter what. This is the good old-fashioned message of an undivided heart, of absolute surrender, of a heart of following Jesus with no reservations. This is about us bringing it all in, risking it all for the sake of Christ. This is about you not leaving anything for yourself because you know, Lord, you deserve all. This is about us making Jesus or not making. Now, we hear that phrase, right? 
you make Jesus the Lord of your life. No one makes Jesus the Lord. He is Lord whether you like it or not. You simply acknowledge that He is Lord. So you responding to Jesus and worshiping Him as the Lord of your life, making, making Him, again, not making Him, recognizing Him as the center of your heart. It's, if this room is your heart, let Jesus be at the center, no close seconds. I'll say that again. No close seconds. There is nothing that competes with Him or could even closely compete with Him. Not even your family, not even your love for your wife, not even your love for your children, not your pursuit of financial stability, not your dreams, not any other pursuit in life. Jesus is at the center. No close seconds. So if this is your heart, then all of us would be standing at the margins. Because Jesus has this whole thing for Himself. If you would be the other idolatries of my life, I mean, the pursuit of wealth, the pursuit of women, uh, the, the, the pursuit for self-actualization, uh, you know, um, you, um, the, and every other relationship that I might have that would compete with the Lord Jesus Christ, you would all be at the margins because Jesus is the only center and there is no competition with Him. Is that the state of your heart right now? Are you willing to forsake any sin that so easily entangles? Are you willing to forsake any competing purposes in your heart? Are you willing to forsake every, every competing desire? Every, everything that would, that would seek to draw you away from Jesus being the center? Are you willing to forsake any heart shifts? When your heart shifts towards something else instead of being on Jesus completely. Are you willing to forsake anything that catches your eye? And for, for, for the temptation that Eve faced in Genesis. Are you willing to forsake the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life? In order for Jesus to remain to be in the center with no competition, no close seconds. Because the Spirit gives life and the Father with grace, great love draws you. The idea of the Father drawing me is absolute grace. If you ask me now, no, um, another story. Sorry for making this. I, I don't mean to make this about me, but I, I like to just share one more. My parents are like the greatest thing, the most important thing in my life. They are. But at some point, the Lord wrenched that potential idolatry from my heart. I got saved in 1991. The Lord called me to ministry in 1993. While I was still a second year college student. And then the Lord called me. Telling me it's time to already follow him in full time ministry in 1998. I, I graduated from college two years already. I was on my way to work in the States. And then the Lord, you know, I, two years to process my papers. Two years. A thousand dollars spent just to be able to process those papers. And finally, it was June of 1998. I was on the brink of already receiving my contract. I already have an appointment at the U.S. Embassy. And it was... History would tell me it would arrive at June 16. June 16, that was a Tuesday. The Lord called me. June 11, woke me up on a Thursday morning and His word to me was, John, it's time. Five days before the contract would arrive. And I told God, Lord, labo nyo. Labo nyo talaga, God. Naman, Lord. I was telling God, Lord, why would you come at such... At, at such a bad timing, come on. I, I asked you already before if I should even pursue this. You didn't tell me anything. Now that I'm already at the brink of actually getting there, now you tell me it's time. 
And then, of course, I wrestled with God that morning. Well, it wasn't much of a contest. I immediately gave in. So I told God, Lord, I am compelled by your love, by your grace, because the Father has drawn me. I mean, who am I that God would even give me the opportunity to serve the ministry of the gospel? Lord, you've drawn me by your grace. I've already experienced your life. Lord, of course I will say to you, I will say yes to you, Lord. I mean, what else would I do? To whom else shall I go? Which now brings us to Jesus. Because the Son, Jesus, has the words of eternal life. And Peter's response, even when many of the disciples were already turning away, and Jesus challenged them, do you want to go away as well? Do you want to go away? And Jesus was naming their price. Jesus was naming their price, challenging them, is this your price? Is this the price that is set on your faith, on you following me, on your belief in me? And then Peter, I praise God for Peter. He has the best revelations. Peter said, Lord, to whom else shall we go? To whom shall we go? Lord naman. Wala naman. There is no, Lord, no, no one. To whom else shall I go? To whom else shall we go? To whom else shall we go? Do you have the words of eternal life? I mean, God. And because we've heard you, we've encountered you, we've come to know you, we have believed. We have believed. Lord, to whom else shall I go? We have believed. Allow me to conclude with this statement. I persist, and I guess this is me, drawing it from the passage, but I pray that this would also be you. I persist in following Jesus because the Father draws me by His love. The Father draws me by His grace. I am compelled, constrained by the love of God to say yes to Him all the time. And take note, constrained by the love of God, not because I must, not, be, not constrained by legalism, not constrained by religiosity, not constrained by conformity. I am constrained by the love of the Father that's sovereignly drawing me to Himself. And because I know the Spirit gives me life through the words of the Son. The Spirit gives me life through the words of the Son. I persist in following Jesus because the Father draws me and the Spirit gives me life through the words of the Son. This has been the Victory Santa Rosa podcast. To see more church updates, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Victory Santa Rosa.